Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition. I am one of your hosts, James, and with me is Joe. Hey, howdy, folks. And joining us is a returning guest and a friend of the show, Keith Tarnowski. Good evening, folks. And we are Breaking Bad tonight. Yeah. We are we are going into uh, the Breaking Bad universe. You know, I know it's uh, been a red-hot minute since that, since that show has been on the air <laughs> and El Camino came out. Uh, recently, Joe just finished the series. It was it inspired to watch it and, I guess, pushed to, pushed to watch it by Keith. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and back when Breaking Bad was on, I, I was a big fan of the show, but we didn't have the podcast, so we, we didn't I didn't have the opportunity to talk about it. So I thought, to, I thought in this episode we would talk all things Breaking Bad. Joe, since you just finished the series, it's fresh in your mind. What is your overall impression of Breaking Bad, the show? Well, I will give you that, James and, and, and Keith, but first I'd like to say that Walter White is, is uh, I guess, Mr. Wizard meets Lex Luthor. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. So here, here's my my uh, immediate and somewhat short but still uh, impression of the show. Uh, Walter White, mild mannered nebbish, Schlemiel, is struck is, is stuck in two dead-end jobs. One, an honorable profession as a teacher, and another as a cashier in a car wash, which he needs to supplement an inadequate income. With fate to live as a devastating blow of stage three cancer, Walter is suddenly faced with his own mortality and the glaring prospect of his growing family's economic survival. Frightened Walter chooses crooked, a crooked path, one not usually taken by dying people, to secure financial assurance for his wife and children. A step taken out of abject fear that takes Walter down his tainted path toward unchecked avarice, newfound power, and ultimately catastrophic ruin. But hey, there's hijinks along the way, including a melting bathtub, a huge magnet, and a freaking train robbery. Who could ask for more? That's a great uh, summary of the show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> And Keith, I, I, let me let me ask you, what was what's what's what were your impressions? I guess we can remember watching the show, and what's your uh, thoughts on it now uh, with a little yeah. time passed? I'll tell you, I I came pretty late to the party. I if the show had just ended, and I so I started binge watching it on Netflix in 2013. I lost so much sleep watching this show. <laughs> I you know I, I like the first season, I like the second season, but the, I, I think it get, I think the show gets better with each season. The third, fourth, and the fifth were incredible. I remember during the fifth season, I would be watching it at night. Um, I would finish an episode at two o'clock in the morning, and I have to be at work at eight. Be at work at eight thirty. I would sit there I'm like you know. If I skip shaving and I iron my clothes while I'm watching, I can I can watch one more episode. <laughs> That's great. And I did that, and um, I, I I love the show. It, it's in my top three. Uh, you know, it, it with Lost and Dexter, and I think it's definitely to me at least, to me, hands down, the best crime uh, story I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. That's great. Yeah, I uh, I was I was also a Netflix comer to the show, so I I, I binged it on Netflix. I think I binged it on Netflix and I think I watched the end of the fourth season in real time. And then I, then I had to, obviously then I was waiting just like everyone else in normal time for that, for the fifth seasons. But yeah, I, I was really drawn in. It was, it's very interesting to me. I do, I do agree with both of you and I wore uh, Keith in, in terms of like being one of the top shows, but it's interesting to have, and maybe you guys have an opinion on this too. It's interesting to have a show that you really enjoy watching, but I I really don't like any of the characters. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. It's it's a a show where like, this is a great show, but I cannot sympathize or it's it's like none of these people like appeal to me. Thankfully, none of these people appeal to me. (laughs) So I think that that's a very interesting mechanism of storytelling that you can grab someone in. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are about. Well, we we went over that with with the mobster episode with Michael Corleone in particular, right? You know, we were fascinated by Michael Corleone, who, by the way, Walter White and Michael Corleone have a lot in common. But, you know, you, you, you're drawn in by these well-written, well-acted, and well-directed characters. And, and because, I, as I said in that episode, and I, 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 there's a little bit of this in all of us. You know, uh, sometimes we all want to break bad. So, uh, yeah, um, it's fascinating. It's like watching, you know, you know, you're on the highway and there's a, there's a three or four car wreck and you, there's the rubberneckers and you got to see what's happening. So there's this, there's this curiosity that, that draws you in because it's serialized. You just keep coming back for more. So, yeah. yeah and I, yes. I, I honestly, um, one of the things I, I love about it now, while there are plenty of cool moments or, you know, holy crap moments of the show and there, there are plenty of those. One oh, yeah. of the things I really like about it being a crime show is that I don't believe at least in any way that it glorifies crime because man, no. uh, everyone ends up in a bad place. And throughout the show, there is in my mind, nothing but repercussions and very little, if any um, benefit to anything with that, what they're doing. Walter, you know, uh, obviously uh, in, a, in a, a slow process, loses his family. Jesse is n- never more alone than he is at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of El Camino. Uh, and I don't you know, I, the most noble characters on the show would be Hank and and, uh, and Gomez, and you know where they end up. Yeah, we lose them. It's just what I, I like it. It doesn't glorify the bad guys. It does have cool moments with them. I'm not going to lie. When, when when Walter gets the you know the upper hand on Gus, it's great because mm-hmm. he's in you know at that point the more evil of a, of a man. But I like that. I like that it doesn't glorify what they're doing. And it's a really well-written story about people that are extremely flawed. I, um, that's you know, that's my impression of the show. I agree. I agree with all what both of you said. And and Joe, I would I would say though, in terms of the comparison of of Walter White to Michael Corleone, I feel like really in my, my impression, you know, not to you know start going down the path of breaking down the Godfather again, but I really feel in that first scene in the Godfather, Michael really wants to be the nice guy. That that that's his family and not him. Whereas I feel like in Walter. This is this is who Walter really wanted to be. It's just life never gave him the opportunity to be this guy. Yes, uh, Keith and I have had this discussion many times. As 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 uh, he was texting me and calling me, how far you got along? What episode are you up to? What season are you in? And uh, we talked about the um, you know the nature versus uh, nurture aspect of of Walter. Is Walter evil? Was he born that way? Uh, was it circumstances that pushed him down this path? And, and, and yes, I agree. Michael has that great line. That's my family, Kate. That's not me. But, but circumstances push Michael along to become this, this, this horrific crime boss. And I think, and you guys can either agree or disagree with me, but I, I think that Walter already has it in him because he's this, he's this guy that always got stepped on and always got pushed aside and was, always, was never noticed. So I think that, that, that was welling up within him for a long time. And I think uh, you know, the cancer diagnosis is actually freeing for him to, uh, to, for, that, for that, that dark angel or, hey, Keith, that dark passenger, right, 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 right. To, to, to come out and, uh, and uh, you know, um, become the Walter White that, that, that just scares the living crap out of everybody as, as the seasons go on. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's a good point. I mean, Walter says it himself in the, in the first episode when when um, he's give, giving Jesse the money to buy the uh, the, the RV. Uh, you know, Jesse kind of still stunned by what he's about to do. Uh, you know, Cook Methwood is high school uh, chemistry teacher. Uh-huh. Asked him if he had like a mental breakdown or something like that. What's going? On? Yeah, and, and Walter literally says, "I am awake." I am awake. You know, the yeah. cancer diagnosis just uh, flipped the switch. And uh, looking back at 50 years of his life, um, being kind of walked all over, not respected by people like his brother-in-law, the the, the loss of his legacy for the Gray Matter, the company. Gray Matter, yeah. He, he took the $5,000, right? To help him in the moment, to help him guard mm-hmm. his family. Yeah, I think he, I, I agree with you, James. I think he was always... This guy, he just let it. He finally, he. I think. I think the. I actually think the nice guy persona was really mostly an act his whole life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. That was his like way of, uh, I guess, protecting himself or getting along in life, given his, I guess, his disposition, at least the one that he fell into. Because, you know, I feel like if he in an alternate timeline where he had stayed with with his partner and made money and stuff in that business, he he would have been the tyrannical like corporate CEO. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great really point. Really point. I never thought that. Yes. I never thought that. Yeah. Such a great right. point. Yeah. You know, yeah. He would have been the Lex Luthor. Like he would have been. Yeah. He would have been. He would have been exactly that. Yes. You know, obviously we've, we've made a point that there's like tons of, of like, you know, despite how bad these people are, there were a lot of highlights in terms of like cool moments or, you know, even if we dislike the character, some of these characters, we actually enjoyed watching them do their stuff. So, Let's go through, let's, I guess, you know, we, you, you obviously can pick your highlights and stuff, but um, Joe, like, is Walter White your favorite character in the show, or do you have another character or, or some highlights that you, you think you would like to spotlight on? My favorite character is Hank. Hank is, is, is truly a tragic character. Walter's not a tragic character. Walter got what he deserved, but, but poor Hank, man. I mean, but it's just, there, there is that point in season five when um, Hank discovers Walter is, is Heisenberg, and he's talking to his uh, his wife, to Marie, and he says, I, you know, I, first of all, I don't have enough evidence. And, and if I go to my bosses with this, what does it make me look like that my brother-in-law, who I've been, who I've been breaking bread with for all these, for this, this past almost two years, that I didn't know that he was this, this the Southwest's biggest meth, meth king. So right then and there, you know, that, oh my God, I, I knew Hank wasn't going to come out of this alive and uh you know when hank and gomez were, were uh, uh and you know what folks the, the, you know obviously the uh, expiration date on uh spoilers is, is, is over on this show i came to it very late so you know yeah hank and hank and, and gomez die in the desert and that's an incredibly convoluted action sequence that that takes place for me it's hank he's the most tragic character and and to a certain extent even jesse because jesse jesse is not, i don't think jesse's inherently evil Jesse got caught up in, 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 in Hank's orbit, excuse me, in, 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 in um, Walt's orbit. Uh, I think if Jesse never reconnected with Walt, he would have, you know, outgrown his, um, his, his predilection uh, for, for drug abuse. He would have gotten help, maybe moved to another city and had a, a quote unquote normal life. To me, those are the two most tragic characters in the, uh, and look, Skylar is pretty tragic too, because what happens to her also? Everybody who gets caught up in, in Walter's orbit loses a lot. Hurricane Walt. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
How about Yabayuki's favorite character and some highlights from those characters? Um, okay, I, I gotta say, and this will probably be true to who I am. Most of my favorite characters, usually, not always, but most of them, you know, Wally West, uh, a lot of other ones throughout uh, fiction. I tend to like funnier ones, lighthearted ones. I know there's not a lot of lightheartedness in Breaking Bad, but the Breaking Bad equivalent. So, of course, my favorite character is Saul. <laughs> Saul good. <laughs> yeah, Saul. Saul, is, Saul delivers some great lines. He's, he, he's really good. He's comedic relief. I think he's. I think those writers wrote the best lines for him. I know, it, for me, a, you know, a close second is Jesse, but um, for different reasons. But I do tend to, I have a thing for humor, and I think that they gave I, they gave Saul the, the best one-liners throughout the show mm-hmm. and just his general sleazy attitude. I mean, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be friends with Saul, mind you, but um, <laughs> he's a very, uh, a fun character and a funny character. You know, one of my, there's two, two of my favorite quotes from Saul I, I love is when uh, the episode after Hank beat up, beat poor Jesse to a pulp and he was all, mm-hmm. he went to visit him in the hospital and uh, Walt was there. I mean, Walt was there, of course. And he made a comment to to uh, to Walter or something like, "Now you're the cute one." And he, and he, said, <laughs> he said, uh, "He's like Paul meet Ringo, Ringo Paul." That <laughs> um, was that was a great one. Of my line, yeah. And my second one, I uh, it just kills me. He's like, "It's when it's in the final season when Jesse's gone off the rails and they know he's out for Walt and they're afraid he might kill him and even uh, even uh, Saul's worried he might come after him." because of what he knew about the, uh, you know, poisoning Brock and all that. And, uh, you know, Saul was trying to float the idea across that maybe that, you know, maybe we might have to take care of Jesse kind of a thing, but Walter at that mm-hmm. point wouldn't have, wouldn't hear it. And uh, Saul has this one line that I love more than anything. It's uh, he's like, hear me out. What if, let's just say he's not up for a nuanced discussion about the virtues of child poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> it just me. Like, he's just like that witty banter and so quick um i just i, I love that character jesse would be my, my my second favorite um all because while he does some terrible terrible things especially killing gail benneker i just i feel like he was a, a kid who was you know kind of rejected by his family rightfully so but was looking for a connection and a father figure and walter manipulated the hell out of him and i I have, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of heart. A lot. I, I feel for. I feel for the character. Yes, and Jesse has a soft spot for kids. Uh, when he, when he, when he saves that 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 kid from the um, that hellacious uh, uh, couple, I guess you want to call them the uh, those those two meth heads, oh. uh, right? That's. I mean, that was so disturbing. And he even takes he even takes a a bullet, so to speak, for his little brother when the parents find a doobie. And they, you know, and there was was the little guys. It was a, a little guy, his bro- younger brothers. Uh, uh, but not, and Jesse takes the fall for that. And of course, Brock. Ugh. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just so there's there's a heart under under, under that uh, as as he hardens because of the circumstances of the seasons as they, as they go along. There's 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 still a heart to Jesse that that makes you just wish that oh my God, if only Walt had not seen him crawling out that window when he was on the ride along with his brother-in-law. Yeah. You know, it would have been a different world for Jesse. I feel like in a way, when you first start watching Breaking Bad, if you don't, you know, know what's going to happen, it very much begins like uh, Jesse's this punk kid drug dealer, which he still is. And and Walter's this good guy who's just trying to do right by his family. And when you flip the switch at the end of the show, Mm -hmm. Jesse's got the most, you know, he's made made horrible mistakes, but he has the most heart and he's 
the most remorse, legitimately remorseful. Oh yeah, Walter is quite frankly close to being a monster. You know, no, he's a sociopath. He's a uh, he's yeah. Walter has no remorse. Uh, when when Skyler finds out that um, you know Gus and his uh, his minions could be coming for him, are you in danger? And he answers with that great line, "I am danger. I'm the one who knocks." Mm-hmm. That's just that's just chilling. And you see it in her eyes. She's a good actress, great actress. And you just see how she, at the point, you know, she's just totally, totally fearful of him. Yeah. What about you, James? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would have to agree with you just because, you know, the level of darkness in the show. And it was hard to, you know, I guess, personally relate to any of the characters. But I would say Saul is one of my favorites just because of all the things you said, Keith, of his humor, how they used him sparingly. I mean, they he was in it enough, but it wasn't like, you know, he was in every episode, so it wasn't like becoming a comedy. I love Bob Odenkirk, so I was always in for him being in the show. I'd probably say Jesse, too, because Jesse kind of shows you where if you're able to keep your heart, but you're, you get dragged along by circumstances, what kind of, you know, tortured mess you go through. <sighs> I guess along this way. Yeah, it was, you know, when he was trapped in the end of season five cooking meth, that's sort of like his penance for the bad things he did, like the mm-hmm. whole time. In, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, that's a good point. Show. I mean, does it make up for killing a person? No, but he definitely suffered in a sort of own hell of his creation for the things things he did mm-hmm. and we get to see that. You know, I did, I, I start, you know, Hank, Hank is a very complex character but he definitely, you know, the, the writers did a great job with Hank and Dean Norris is an amazing actor because when he gets injured, that whole time he's recovering, you really um, feel for Hank. Like mm-hmm. you really, you really start to get a heart and sympathy for Hank. Those are probably probably my three characters. I mean, Walt. I mean, after like the first season, it was really when we start getting even to the depths of the dozen season two. It's hard to kind of, like kind of see Walt's side, side or perspective at all. So those are the characters that I personally clung to. I'll, I'll say that Walt. I rooted for him up until he let Jane die. And I'm like, nope, you're done with me. I, that, yeah, I don't we care discussed what kind of this. business you have, how much money you're making. You let a poor girl just choke to death right in front of you. That was the moment for me. It kind of hooked me on the show, but I was like, this guy is a bad man, no question. I'm sorry, I, I, I don't think something like that could be irredeemable, you know? And that decision to let Jane die literally rains down disaster from the heavens. Right, because her father's the air traffic controller. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Um, John Delancey. Q. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because his, he's so distraught, he doesn't do his job properly. And Walt's, Walt's responsible for over 200 people being killed. It's just, and, and well, that's an incredibly shocking moment. I, I want to ask the both of you, because I have one that just blew me away and until this day still chills me. When I think about it, what do you, what do you think, guys, was the most shocking moment in, in the, uh, if you could pick one? Because there's so many, but if you had to pick one, you know, jaw-dropping, shocking moment. Besides, I think Keith, you just said yours was probably uh, it might have been uh, Walt letting Jane die. But if there's another one in James, what do you think? I mean, I think for me with the that show, like when uh, when they got rid of the kid that they shot. In the oh, yep, the that's it for me too, man. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I think. Yeah, is that is that it for you also, Keith? You know, it's funny. You remind me of that. Um... James, because right before that, I was going to say when Jesse shot uh, Gail Benneker. Uh, that was pretty shocking, yeah. Was, but the kid, uh, uh, that was terrible. That, that yeah, you got me there. <laughs> that, that's yeah, that, you know, I, I and, and you see that kid at the beginning of the episode, and you wonder what's going on here, you know, and, and then it's like whenever they introduce something, they, they, they always paid it off. You know, sometimes it was horrifically paid off, uh, obviously, in that poor little boy uh, losing his life to that lunatic 
Nazi bastard Todd, played incredibly by Jesse Plemons, an alum yeah. of um, Friday Night Lights, I might add. I got to get that in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the moment for me that just, oh my God. I mean, it's, those, it's those two, like they're tied for me because watching Jane die, uh, it, it was yeah. so tough for me to watch. I was, that was like, difficult. You know, he's yeah. about to push her over and he doesn't. I'm like, you are, that's indefendable. Uh, it's just horrible. Horrible. Yes, totally horrible. Yes, yeah. And I mean, also when the when the kid and the train heist thing go with the kid being shot, and I, that was like the moment where you know, if there was anything left in Walter that was human, that would like I thought maybe be there, but that was like the moment, like, well, he is really gone. He's gone. Well, there, like, you know, it's, it's one thing to kill other other adults, I guess, and you know, obviously, you know, killing Jane essentially, but when you let a kid kid die, that's like the the. the the boundary is like really crossed at that point. Yeah. I mean, at that point, uh, not only Jesse, but Mike wanted out. Mike, who's the fixer, the enforcer, the, you know, the, 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 the hired gun, the killer, even he didn't, didn't that, that did not sit well, sit well with him either. So yeah. Also, um, also Walt didn't lose any sleep over it when Jesse, no. when Jesse was opening his yeah. heart up, you know, on kind of opening up to him about it when they were in one of those, when they remember when they were tenting the houses and they were cooking meth in the tent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, um, he kind of opened up about it and, and Walt gave him the whole fake BS like spiel about how he, you know, it broke his heart too, thinking about it all the time. And then he let Jesse leave early. He's like, I'll clean it up. Why don't you go home and just get some rest, you know, whatever. Yeah. And Jesse leaves and kind of comes back for a second. He forgot something and he looks and Walt is just sitting there whistling away. Whistling a happy tune, right? Yeah. yeah. He's a monster, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah. He's a monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and speaking of monsters, there's quite a rogues gallery, obviously, in this um, in this uh, series. I'll just run off a few: Tuco, Salamanca, Gus Fring, Victor, Uncle Jake, Jack, Todd, Mike, Aramet. I can't even pronounce his name. Mike's Mike. The Salamanca twins, or I just refer to them as the uh, the uh, Evil Wonder Twins. <laughs> uh, Lydia, Declan, you know, and, and so many others. Um, I guess Gus Fring is. Is Walt's arch nemesis, but you know Tuco and uh, uh, is up there along with uh, his uh, his uncle, right? Oh God! Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's just so many, so many villains, and 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 just, it's just amazing that the way they wrote these characters in. They just and when one disappears and you know gets killed, and another one, I thought I thought once he took down. He took down Gus, Gustavo Fring. I thought, okay, this is probably going to meander along to the end. But then, you know, they introduce Todd and his freaking Nazi family. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, holy shit, this thing has just got jacked up again. And, it's and just I'll like, say, wow. You know, what, I'll, what I'll say about, you know, Mike uh, Ermitraub is like, I he, he has done monstrous things and has witnessed a monstrous thing. But in my mind, not that he's a great character, but he's more of like a, I would say a Ronin almost. He's yeah. Like a, 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 he's like a gun for hire, a samurai sword, and uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I won't, I won't spoil things for Better Call Saul, but you get more of a story there. But yeah, because he, 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 he clearly like knows what he's doing is wrong. He has like sort of his quote unquote code of, of honor, whether but that honor is kind of turned obviously to the dark side. But mm-hmm. he does monstrous things, but I don't think he himself is a, as monstrous as the other people on that list. Um, Agree. You know, that, that's my that. perspective on it. Obviously, he, he got what he deserved in the end. It's sad that his family had to pay mm. for it because, you know, that was the only thing Mike had going for him was the fact that he was doing it for his, you know, granddaughter. But I think Mike is, is like I said, he's he's just, 
he's just a higher gun. He's just doing it, doing it, and that's the code of honor, and that's the deal he made with Gus Frank. Yeah, yeah he's he's not paladin. He's not a bounty hunter, but he's he's a hired gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he also is like even um, he he has like a sense of honor because he's like we we owe this money to these guys. These guys get yes. paid, and uh, they're going to get paid. <laughs> and that's the moment. I think that's the that you know uh, that's the moment when they have when when um, Walt hires uh, Jack's family to to get rid of those nine guys oh. to hush, the hush, the hush guys, you know, in, in prison, that is so reminiscent of the end of the Godfather where Michael is baptizing his, uh, his, uh, ne- nephew, uh, Constancia and Carlos, uh, son. And, and as he's, you know, renouncing Satan, <laughs> he's taking care of the five families. So I, you know, I, I did not, that did not, um, I did not miss that, that illusion. I'm sure that was, uh, that was in, in the showrunner's heads as they were doing that scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a direct parallel to that like Godfather scene. You know, I, I will always say like, with, with, I think, you know, obviously the show, the, the writing on the show is great. And I, I, the writers, you know, and Chris has spoken about, about this on, uh, on other episodes and, um, and an audience, if you're wondering why Chris isn't here, Chris hasn't, hasn't watched Breaking Bad. So, uh, so we, we, you know, otherwise he would have joined us as well, but, um, you know, Chris has said, like, the, the job of good writing is to write yourself into a corner and then be able to write yourself mm-hmm. out. Uh, and this is what the show did repeatedly. Like, when you're like, you think the stakes are so high and how is they going to get how are they going to ever get out of this? They, they, they manage a way to write something where Walt or Jesse get out of it that makes sense in continuity without breaking the laws of the universe that they've created. Yeah. And much of it is Walter manipulating Jesse to do his to do his his dirty work. Like when he kills uh, Gail, right? Yeah. So yeah, so it's it's just uh, it's amazing that, that, that Keith kept telling me it gets better and it gets better, and, and he was right. I mean, as I've said before on a pre- previous um, podcast, Keith got me into Dexter some years ago, and then uh, within the past year, he's got me into Cobra Kai and uh, and Breaking Bad. So um, folks out there, if Keith tells you to watch something good, I, I advise you to take him up. I'm so I'll happy take, with Breaking Bad. I was so happy. <laughs> he really was. Yeah, he kept calling me. We were texting and calling at night. And I was like, Keith, don't you have to go to work tomorrow? <laughs> I, just, I just knew it was up your alley. I just knew you know, oh. it was definitely, I mean, obviously we all like great writing and, and acting, but um, I know that you're also a big fan of like of, of true crime or crime stories kind of, you know, things. Yeah, I did I did a little a little research on, on five, you know, uh, but I guess uh, considered the best crime shows. And I, I went to IMDb to get their rating. So uh, let's see uh, if I do this right here. Uh, Boardwalk Empire, pretty good show, 8.6. Uh, let's see, uh, Dexter, one of my, you know, my favorite on any given day, my, possibly my favorite pro, uh, TV show of all time, uh, 8.7. Uh, the Sopranos, 9.2. The Wire, 9.3. But The Champ, going to IMDb, is Breaking Bad at 9.5. Uh, I think and... Uh, I, can you disagree with that? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I mean, they every, every, like, again, it's been a little, Joe, you've watched more recently, but I don't think in every, like, I think all the seasons were like solid episodes. Like it was, yeah. it was, it was a solid, you know, nearly a perfect game uh, of, 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 a, of a show. Yep. Uh, and the, I think the best thing about watching that is like the finale was perfect. Like the finale didn't disappoint and it really wrapped things up well. And mo- most shows do not pull off the finale. Well, the finale is either too long, leaves too many threads, um, things come out of nowhere in the finale. But the, the finale was like a, a perfect button on the series. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you don't really hear anyone complain about the finale of that show. And that's rare. Yeah, because 
Keith and I have often discussed the uh, final two two seasons, especially the c- season eight of, of Dexter. You know, they they had to come back ten years later and 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 do a season nine to kind of uh, you know give the fans the proper ending. I think everybody was satisfied with this ending. I know I was. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think it's one of the best, uh, one of the best endings, uh, probably one of the best endings in television. Um, yeah, I think it's a great show. I think it just they really fleshed out these characters. They they they're complex people. They're they're flawed people, but they you feel you feel like they were real. You really you never were watching Breaking Bad and felt like you were watching actors. Or so it was so well done. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. Yeah, and I also never felt, again, going back to the writing, I never felt like a character did something out of character, if that makes Like, you know, sometimes you watch shows and be like, ah, oh, that I don't know if that character would really do that or get into the situation. But they never ran into that either because I, I, I know there was times that, you know, Vince Gilligan and I, I've heard um, Brian Cranston talk about, like, you know, not not that not, the set was a very good set, but there would be times where, where you know, he, they two of them would go back and forth whether or not, you know, um, Walter White would do this or that or say it this way. So I think all the actors really knew their characters well enough that while the writing was superb, if the writing was off a little bit, they knew how to interject their point of view. So it, it stayed within continuity of the character. Yeah. I also yes. Think they, like Vince Gilligan kind of let them also add little touches to their character too. That I think kind of helped. He, like with, with uh, the character of Marie, the actress who played her, it was her idea, the whole purple thing, purple everywhere. And not, <laughs> like, and there were other parts of her character that, um, her profession, I believe, he kind of let her make it her own even a little more, and I think he did that with a lot of the characters. And none of the characters ever did something. As you, and this goes back to what you just said, James. Uh, they were true to themselves, and like if this show had been on network TV, well, it couldn't have been. I probably not. <laughs> it would have been watered down greatly, or God forbid, the CW. Uh, for instance, Walt Jr. probably would have, you know, become his father's cook at some point. Coke, yeah, he would have gotten into the business, but. It's it's so believable that they keep this from Skyler and Walt keep this from Walter Jr. Because that if this happened in the real world, that's exactly what they would do. They would try to keep this this this, this terrible uh, path that the father went down and the, the terrible villain that he becomes away from you know away from his son. And when and when Walt Jr. finds out what his dad is, you you see what happens, right? So it, it's it's so believable that some of the characters did not did not grow out of who they were. They stayed, you know, the characters were very true. The writers and showrunners were very true to the characters as they brought them along this this incredible story arc. What are uh, yeah. some of your, uh, I, I know we briefly touched on it, but um, uh, so James, what, what were some of your favorite moments? Well, I was going to say, like, the I think the most satisfying part of, like, the finale was the fact we finally get Walt saying he did it for himself. Yes. Like, that was like, you wanted you wanted him to say it this whole time, and you finally, like, that's why the finale is so good. It's like, you finally... Finally, it's it's like what you were thinking the whole time. At least as I was yeah. as an audience member. You're just doing it for yourself, and he finally admits it. But I, I also think like he he was doing it for himself. But I I do think though he did he did care about his son getting some money at the end. I mean he you know I do think he he wanted his family or at least his son taken care of. So he was doing it for himself. But I do believe there is a small portion of him that did want his son to be taken care of or in, in you know in the future. Going through all the lengths he did to get them. I forget his partner and his wife to give that money and, and the blind and, trust, right? Yeah. The blind trust set up and everything. So mm-hmm. I do think there is a, like maybe 10% or mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give him 20% wanted to take care of his family. The other 80% was all him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, like, uh, you know what they say, uh, like two things can be true at the same time, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he could be a egomaniac monster who wants to, you know, be the man, but also a part of him. He also in his own way loves these people and does want to take care of them. Were they a, 
a big giant excuse. Yeah, but he, in his own way, he, you know, he loved them and wanted to take care of them. He, he's not even even monsters aren't completely heartless. I mean, at least some of them, I guess. He cared. I mean, you, you saw the emotion when he, on the on the phone when he was talking to Skylar in that uh, second to last episode when he was uh, trying to throw them off the trail, the police, because they were listening, and he he was uh, yelling at her and basically. Oh right! Saying that he was um, taking, you know, taking the, uh, the the shade from her because he was saying, "I warned you. I told you if you betrayed me, I, I, I'd kill you," or all that. And he was doing mm-hmm. that to get the attention away from her. Uh, so he he cared. He just cares more about himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Which I guess is like another reason why they inter- not. I mean, not another reason, but like to introduce Jesse Plemons' character and Uncle Jack. Like they they are real monsters yes. compared to Walt. Yes. Oh mean, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, the, the end scene there where he's shooting them all down and protecting Jesse. It's like, it's like you're watching like King Kong versus Godzilla. There's, these right. are two <laughs> just right. monsters fighting. It's just one monster is a little bit better than the other monsters. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You know, for right. our part, we, we, were, we were following one monster longer. <laughs> I remember when I first started watching, I, the first one of the first things I, I you know, I, I had to talk to Keith about was the um, how they got rid of... Um, uh, was it Crazy Eight or, was, or the guy that was working with him when, when Jesse puts him in the bathtub and pours in the pours the hydrochloric acid? And Walt told him, no, it's got to be, you know, in, in plastic, uh, a certain type of plastic. And, of course, it eats through the uh, the tub and the tub goes through the, the, the ceiling and all the guys' grizzled entrails and guts come down. And they're cleaning it up in the next episode. It's disgusting. I was having lunch, too, at that, at that time. So I had to put my food away. I, I, but... Uh, it was just there. There, there are scenes like that that are just horrific in their nature. But at the same time, it's like you, you can't look away because it's it's just like what the hell are these these two up to, and and where's this all going to lead? You know, and at that point they were you know, they were neophyte, you know, barely into the, the making the meth and the drug trade, and then just a couple of seasons later, Walt Walter's Heisenberg. Well, not, a couple of seasons later, a few episodes later, a few into the first season, he's Heisenberg. He's the guy that has to, you know, that has to be taken taken out by uh, again the uh, the Salamanca twins. That scene was incredible too, you know. And then and then of course, Gus gives up Hank to the twins because he still needs he still needs um, Walt to cook, and uh, that was a that was a shocking moment too in the series. An incredibly well written, well crafted. And so many turns along the way, keeping you guessing and keeping you interested. And I, I'll say also, like, just going back to characters we like and scenes that are like, I mean, again, Vince Gilligan's perfect casting and, and comedians seem to do a good job. Bill Burr's character. Oh, and, yeah. And LaBelle Burr, Johnson, yeah. you know, like his character, yeah. you know, uh, they, they were fantastic. They were fantastic. How about Yule? <laughs> yeah. I think uh, LaBelle Crawford's that guy, but Yule, yeah. yeah Huel, he was great. He's taking a nap on the money. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he took a nap on the $80 million. Yeah, and the Billbers going to interrog is like trying to intimidate Skyler's boss that she's like kind of having an affair with, and like he slips and you know breaks his neck, and he's like, "Oh crap!" Oh, you Ted Benicky, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Putting Bill Burr in anything is always a good thing. I love him in Mandalorian. Yeah, it was great in Mandalorian. Yes, he was. Oh yeah, he's fantastic. He plays himself in space. He plays himself. Yeah, he would even he roast. Plays- he was roasting the Empire, like talking politically about the Empire. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got this Bostonian accent in, in the Mandalorian. <laughs> that is so cool. But yeah, there's so many good characters like that. Even even people that you see for maybe one or two episodes, they're there for a reason. And they got good actors to play the part. They didn't skimp. 
and and Keith, we talked about this. Uh, the entire show was filmed in the Southwest, right? In and around Albuquerque. Yeah, all in Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. that. You know, all the more reason to believe what's going on. You know, it's uh, because the setting is really. You know, remember the Western episode when we talked about setting, right? So it's, it becomes part of the character of the show. It is a character in the show. Yeah, same thing so, with the good, uh, good comic book. You know, yeah. is a character. Um, Opal City and Starman. You know. Uh, Gotham City and Batman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely, yeah. It's, good, it's just unbelievable. And Joe, you just recently, so I guess just kind of follow up, but what were your thoughts on El Camino? I liked it very much, and uh, I thought, you know, it. Um, there was some, again, there were some shocking scenes in that. Uh, I, I told Keith the other day, I knew those two guys uh, were not cops when Jesse's uh, back at uh, Todd's apartment and looking for the money and... Um, you know, uh, those two guys come in and say, ah, wait a minute, they've already tossed this place. The cops, the DEA have tossed this place already. There's something wrong with these two guys. And the way he gets out of that is, is pretty amazing, too. He makes a deal. You know, and you know who really shocked me and who, who, who came through big time for Jesse was Skinny Pete. You know, I didn't, wasn't, ha- wasn't too crazy about him in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the series, but Skinny Pete te- steps up big time. He has that one line, Jesse asks him, why are you doing this? He goes, dude, you're my hero. Yeah, and, and and also Skinny Pete's house. I thought it would be, you know, look like uh, a typical drug dealer's, uh, you know, den of iniquity. And it's like everything is, he's got, he's got all those lotions and, yeah, yeah. and things in the bathroom and stuff. It's so freaking funny and cool at the same time. It's just like, oh, wow, look at this. Another... Badger never changes. He's just a dope. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but Skinny Pete uh, surprised me. I'm glad they did that with him. They gave him, they nuanced his character a little bit. So, yeah. And, and of course, Jesse, you know, uh, right before the actor, Robert Forster passed away, he, he plays that. Uh, do we know his name, by the way? I think he's like the, isn't he like the cleaner or something? Yeah, they don't give yeah, him I mean, him. we don't know his, no. his given name, right? Yeah. And he, no. yeah, he gets, he gets Jesse. Where does he set him up with again? Where does he uh, set him up? Uh, he goes to Alaska. Uh, Alaska. Alaska, yeah. right. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Alaska around 2012, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, that's not really 2012 when the show ended, but it's really 2008 because the show takes place in two years. So he couldn't he couldn't run into Dexter in the in the logging camp. No. Ah. <laughs> so I was thinking about that, but no, that that could never happen. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, I liked El Camino. I thought it was a fitting end. It tied some loose ends up nicely, and it, it you know I, I wanted to see the end of Jesse's story. And he's uh, he's he's great in that. Aaron Paul's great in that. I mean, he really. I mean, he's great through the whole series, but in that movie, really showing the PTSD trauma that you know he's just suffering from, he, he was amazing. I thought yes. he was really, yeah. really, really great. I got a, uh, a funny Breaking Bad related kind of short story that um, happened kind of recently to me um, last year. So I was at work one day um, at a work lunch in the summer, and uh, one of my colleagues showed me on their phone, like, oh, look, on, on Instagram, there was a a photo of uh, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul a couple towns away from where we were having lunch because they have that, they have this, uh, their own uh, Muscal, it's like a kind of tequila-ish drink that they that they made and they sell and they distribute it. And they were at a liquor store like a couple towns away doing, uh, you know, this kind of meeting people and doing a whole promotion for it. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, you know, during work hours, there was no way I was going to go there. Mm-hmm. And a buddy of mine I work with was like, why don't you come into... Huntington, after work, we'll go out and have a couple drinks. He's going out with his, his, his wife to have some drinks. I'm like, nah, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go home. I go home. He texts me a video a couple ah. hours later 
of Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston about three, four feet away from him. They're bartending and having a big promotion for their mezcal at a bar in Huntington. I'm like, oh man, I couldn't oh, man. You know, I'm a dork with stuff like that. I would have been, oh, I was so kicking myself forever. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. He was so close wow. to him. Like the video was right there. I'm like, uh, you know, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul, I was dying, but uh, I came close to meeting them. <laughs> yeah. There's still time, Keith. There's another time, mm-hmm. another place, maybe. Right. And, oh, Keith, we didn't we didn't talk about the um, the actors looking so different in in, uh, in El Camino because it's uh, it takes place literally after the the big shootout at the uh, you know at Uncle Jack's uh, Nazi hacienda. <laughs> when and here it is, um, Jesse Plemons, the actor Jesse Plemons, Todd has looked like he put on fifty pounds. You know, like I said, he looks like a a fat, um, uh, blonde-haired Dean Cain. <laughs> it's funnier because, um, well, first of all, Breaking Bad was five years, and that was only supposed to be really take place most of the show in one year, and then they did like a year time jump. Yeah. And then El Camino takes place right after that, but that wasn't made for like seven or eight years later. So a character like Aaron Paul is playing a 28-year-old, and he's probably my age, like 42 years in his 40s. <laughs> You can see he put on weight too. Yeah, I mean, but but it was so shocking to see Jesse Plemons, you know, looking like uh, you know a corn-fed uh, <laughs> farm boy. Really crazy. It was crazy. I mean, but the older characters, it wasn't jarring. Like Mike looked fine. Right. So did the guy who ran the junkyard. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But like uh, uh, Skinny Pete, especially and 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 Jesse, has looked. It was jarring, but I mean, yeah, it's one of those things you can kind of, I guess, suspend disbelief and enjoy the enjoy the the character moments, you know. Yeah, well, at least Skinny Pete was still skinny. Right, yeah, right. so. Yeah, right, right. But, he, uh, but yes, he did look at a point where I'm like, you know what? You look a little too old to be dressing like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I thought that too. Yeah. So yeah, but I guess well, you said you suspend your disbelief and and you just enjoy for what it is. Yeah. Well, I know for because uh, I, I was I listened to the the they had like a companion <laughs> podcast with all the creators of the show and Vince Gilligan and the actors during the scope what was going on the show and then also they did one for uh, El Camino the one for El Camino they were saying that the when they were shooting um, El Camino it was a big secret and so when Brian Cranston came to do a scene with Walter White they they had to like do this whole he was doing a show on Broadway so they had a makeup person go to go to the city secretly and fit him for a bald cap and makeup. And then they had to arrange for like a private jet for him to fly out in a window which he did wasn't doing a show for a day. Go down there, fit him with all that, shoot the scene, get him back, and be wow. like, it was all like covert and cloak and dagger stuff to like you know shoot this movie. Wow, I didn't know that. That's that's very cool. And then the fact that like the ball cap adds like a little bit of height to the head and stuff. They they were saying like in post they had to like digitally shrink his head a little bit so, <laughs> so proportionally fit with his body so it didn't look like it was a bald cap. Yeah, anybody who wears a bald cap always has this like you know uh, cone head type of he- head, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they had to like shrink it down a little bit. So um, yeah. So they 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 got all the you know they wanted everybody in it and they found ways to get them in it and they tried to pick scenes they were saying where you could logically think of characters from the past you could have back and why you were telling the stories. You know, my hats like hats off to the whole writing crew i mean it's amazing it's it's it, it, like it's truly a marvel of writing and you know we talk about continuity like they i given it's only one show but the amount of details in, in every episode of breaking bad they really went you know their continuity ran deep oh yeah no it, it really did uh i'm thinking and i, I think uh, we talked about this briefly uh, uh the other day keith and i but like where are certain characters now now let's see now let's see if i get the timeline right this this show started uh, the year was 2006 I thought it was 8 wasn't it 8 2008 okay 
So and it, and so it, it ends in their in the, in their world in 2010, right? Because they were, it took place. As you said, Keith, there was a uh, there was a year jump. So basically, so five seasons are really two seasons in in, in their world. So that that means if it ended in 2010, it's 12 years ago. Brock would be what, uh, you know, about um, 17, maybe 18 years old now. Where's Brock, right? Uh, where's Skylar? You know, um, Holly. Holly's born around 2007. That's what, 15 years ago? Yeah. She get, she's getting ready to pick a college. Uh, what's happened to Walter Jr.? Did he get the money? You know, there's, there's all these questions that, are, you know, I, I would like answered. I don't know if they're ever going to do that. It's, uh, it's, there's, you know, there's so, and, uh, Marie, of course, is did Marie go, I mean, Marie's life was torn apart when she lost Hank. Did she go back to um, her kleptomania and what happened to Marie? There's so many, so many, they left questions, unanswered questions, but you didn't feel unfulfilled because they, they answered everything they had to, you know. So. And they basically destroyed Gus's operation. So yes. that, that that part of the cartel is, or Gus's operation in association with the cartel is broken down. Right. Yeah. I think the other cartel, they, they kind of took over. I mean, they took, they took that, took care of that too. Right. The one yeah. with, um, yeah, yeah that's taken that's care gone. of. So yeah. You know, like everything else with crime, there's a, I'm sure there's a power vacuum that someone stepped in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Someone would have stepped. Well, that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have, if they ever thought about bringing it back or doing a sequel, you know, they can get Aaron Paul back. He gets caught up in this again. What? Who? Who is filled the vacuum? What? What role would he play in it? Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they. I mean, know. the only way I would see that. I mean, not that they, not that they necessarily want to continue Breaking Bad because you know, but the only way you, you know Jesse would get wrapped up again is it had something to do with Brock. I imagine. Yes, you know, that's what I was thinking. One last job, like you know, yeah. the the whole like, it would be turned into the Western gunslinger right. type thing. One, one last job or one last heist or something. <gasps> Yeah, I mean the, the train robbery. When I saw that, I said, "Oh, this is so freaking cool! They're doing they got a train robbery. They're doing a train robbery." You know, this is just that was just amazing. You know, and the giant magnet that I mentioned earlier, <laughs> and the truck leans against the building. <laughs> this, you know, it's stuff that's just uh, yeah, science. <laughs> I'll tell you, like, for me though, like some of my my favorite moments. I was telling Joe this the other day, uh, James, but it's not maybe moments that people would necessarily pick i i really love like the like the real like hard character moments and for me my two favorite the first ones they're both jesse ones it's the uh, problem dog episode when jesse's in the na meeting and he's basically trying to admit to people that he killed gail but he's you know he's you know, talking he, about it as he had to put down a dog and right they're, yeah. you know and they're like well is the dog sick was the dog gonna bite someone and he's like no 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 and he's trying to say, "I'm, I'm, I'm bad. I'm do. I, I've done something bad, and I'm not. There's no repercussions. I mean, there are obviously, but not the ones that you typically. You know, he's not in jail. Um, and he has this kind of a breakdown. Well, they're still kind of saying, "No, but you know, you know, if you, if you feel bad about it, you're, you're a good guy, whatever." And he just kind of loses it, and then he admits to them that he's the only reason he's there is to sell them meth. It was just a watching Jesse kind of fall apart and watching the events of the show take its toll on him like it never took its toll on Walt or his mm. conscience. It, to me, it was just really great to watch. I really I love that scene. I love that kind of like speech he gives. Um, it, it just, it, I feel like uh, as bad as the, the bad as the things he did, he had probably the most amount of humanity, at least out of the, the bad guys. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't count him in the same league as Hank 
but I, I love that scene. I love the scene when they're in the desert with uh, with Walt and, and and Saul, and Walt wants Jesse to go away, and, and Jesse kind of just kind of yells at him and says, "You don't, you know, you don't care about me. You never did. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to get me to go away, or, or you're gonna have to kill me." And he breaks down and cries, and he's actually like, you know, Walt hugs him, and it's just this broken kid, you know. I just, uh, I just think Aaron Paul did a great job. I think he's kind of undercut when it comes to the acting i think sometimes with shows people mistaken if you play if you play well a really smart character that you're a great actor but if you play a character might be a little dopey and a little weak you play that really well you don't get a lot of credit for that typically for some reason you know Mm, Uh, the punky i think yeah i feel like i think he nails it you know yeah i mean aaron paul i think should i mean maybe he doesn't want to do more things i don't know what's being offered to aaron paul i figured like you know obviously brian cranston had a career before breaking bad he continues to have a career after breaking bad mm-hmm. aaron paul i mean maybe he's you know I, I hope people are offering him the roles like roles that he yeah. can choose from and that it's it's more of his decision why he doesn't act more and not because people are pigeonholing him into this playing jesse but It'd be kind of hard though, because Jesse, as you just pointed out, Keith, he he showed a wide range of emotion and depth in in that character. I mean, he started off dopey, but by the end, like you know, he's he's this very complex, emotionally deep character. Yeah, very um, much so. Yes. So I, I don't know. I, again, I'm hoping it's because he's choosing not to. He's very selective of his roles and what he does, and not not that people are pigeonholing him into this one role for the rest of his life. Well, um, I haven't seen it yet, but. I did see a trailer for a movie with him and Karen Gillan, uh, Nebula from Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. They're in a movie called Duel. It was in theaters for like a hot minute, a very limited release. And I believe now you can watch it on AMC+. Plus. Okay. It looks really good. It looks, it's, it's kind of like a sci-fi-ish thing where um, Karen Gillan's like dying or something like that. So in this world, in the future, they if you're dying, you can clone yourself so you can kind of live on in a certain way but then mm-hmm. her health issue gets corrected so she's not dying and now in this future society there can't be two of you so you have to duel to the death <laughs> oh jeez yeah oh i think i remember seeing a trailer for this yes and, i do i remember seeing yeah, and aaron paul's like training her training the yes. real her you know i remember that yes yeah, so he was on jimmy fallon like a month or two ago promoting i remember this oh. yeah it looked very intriguing so um yeah so I, I hope he's still acting because like everyone else i mean john carlo esposito's in like everything i know, I know. <laughs> oh he's great he pops up in the Mandalorian. He popped up somewhere else. Also, I'm like, this, like, this guy just keeps working. That's right. He was in the Mandalorian. Holy crap! Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, I didn't. I didn't check, but did this show? Uh, I'm sure it was nominated, but it did, did it win uh, any awards, any Emmys, and things like that? I think Brian Cranston won like best actor for. Uh, I don't know about. The show. I hope so. I'm not sure about the show. I'm sure it did, but Brian Cranston won a lot of them. They even um, there was a joke at one of the Emmys or uh, uh, ceremonies where he did a little scene where with a joke, he sneezed and someone threw an Emmy at him. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Like, yes, cause he just, like, cause he won like, I don't know, he won like almost like, like three years in a row or something. Came a long way from Tim Watley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I've been looking up here like a uh, 2014 golden globe for best television series. Um, two thousand primetime Emmys, two thousand fourteen Best Outstanding Drama, two thousand fourteen Emmy Award Brian Cranston Outstanding Lead Actor, primetime Emmy Anna Gunn Best Supporting Actress mm-hmm. or Actor. Uh, yeah, so he definitely definitely raked it in. <laughs> Good, well, it deserves it. 
yeah. it really does. It's it's yeah. now in my you know after, after seeing it now it's now in my it's in my top five favorite you know which, which is fluid uh, as in in, in in where they're placed, but it, it's always Dexter, Friday Night Lights, Bonanza, Star Trek: Next Generation, and now Breaking Bad. I don't know it knocks something out of there. I'm not sure why. I have to check my list, but. But it's 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 in the, it's in with those guys now. Did it kick DS Nine out, Joe? It might have kicked DS Nine. You know, you know what it might have kicked out, James. And this this I hope, but this doesn't. Uh, if he's listening at some point, this doesn't uh, make John uh, Gross uh, feel bad. But it might have kicked out Babylon Five. That might have been number six. So, you know, nothing's ever going to kick out Dexter, Next Gen, and and uh, and uh, Friday Night Lights. So. Yeah, yeah it's, that's really hard for me. I don't know if I have my top five shows. I have shows that rotate, but um, I mean, Keith, do you have a top five? Uh, or top I three? definitely have a top three. Um, my number one favorite show, it lost. It just is. Um, yeah, it gets I, a big loss. I'm guy, right? I've actually embarrassed, not even embarrassingly, I've rewatched Lost seven times, all 120. <laughs> I, I watched it. I, I made my girlfriend watch it recently. Like, in, in November, we watched it all in about a month. Um, I'm obsessed with that show. That's number one. Um, uh, break. And the thing is this: Breaking Bad and Dexter. Um, I think overall, Breaking Bad is a much better show because uh, Dexter, the last two seasons, uh, I thought were pretty terrible. They were problematic. Yeah, but I love the character so much of Dexter and the cast that I still put it above Breaking Bad. It's kind of like uh, Adrian said in that uh, episode you guys did about the CW universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when it's bad, I just love spending time with these characters. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's true. I mean, you know, uh, I, I was thinking, um, you know, uh, when Hank is <laughs> sitting on the pot, so to speak, at the family uh, barbecue, when things look like they, you know, they're, they're going to get better. And he, and he discovers the uh, copy of Leaves of Grass and he discovers, he realizes he puts two and two together that uh, his brother-in-law is Heisenberg. It got me to thinking about when Deborah found out that her brother was the freaking Bay Harbor butcher. Yeah. So, yeah. That was, uh, I think Dexter's so lovable while being a serial killer. He's just... Yeah. There, there's some, yeah, you, you can't... I, you know, and you, we've talked about this before. He has his code. He only kills... You know, serial killers. Although he he did stray once in a while, obviously, yeah. but um, that was the conflict too when he was breaking the code. Yeah, he was becoming too human. That his friends and family meant more to him, so he'd he'd be willing to do more to protect them, which he wouldn't do. protect them. Yeah, but uh, Walter is himself. Walter is a monster. Walter is a definite monster. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lost is my number one. I that show. I mean, I, I could add a couple of comedies there that would kind of fill the blanks to five. I would add like The Office and and Seinfeld. Um, I, I kind of count the dramas more. Yeah, I, I, it's hard. Yeah. It, it, it's it's tough. I, I don't know if I I don't know if I really can have a top five because I as much as I enjoyed Breaking Bad, I don't think I would rewatch it just because of the the dark nature. Like if I was putting like a top five list of shows that I think are really worthy of being on a list that people should watch. Breaking Bad would obviously be in the top five, but I don't, I don't, it wouldn't be on my, I mean, it depends what you're defining personal top five. Cause I don't know if I would ever rewatch Breaking Bad just because I don't know if I'm, I, you know, cause as you, as you just went through and we just went through for the last, you know, this, this whole show, how dark and, and twisted it is a time. I don't know if I would ever go back and watch that for myself, it's heavy. but I, it's heavy. yeah, but having watched it, I would definitely put it on a list of like, if people are into that, that you should watch the show. Definitely. You know, yeah. You know, it, it, not just for great TV, if you're interested in great TV, but I think, you know, anyone who's creative too, too and looking how you write a story that c- carries through a storyline completely satisfyingly to the end, it's it's a masterclass in that as well. Agreed, yeah. 
Agreed. You know, it, it's interesting. Uh, serialized uh, television versus episodic. We now have Star Trek Strange New Worlds doing episodic TV as opposed to Discovery and Picard doing it serialized. It's always easier, I think, to go back and drop in on an episode of Next Gen or the original Star Trek, or in my case, The Adventures of Superman, something like that, because it's, you know, they're, they're standalones or Bonanza for that matter. But if, you, if you're going to drop in, like I was talking, telling Keith this the other day, I was asking if, um, if Dexter season nine has made it to uh, Netflix yet because I want to start watching Dexter, but I, I, I want to see season nine again, but I feel like I got to start from the beginning to get the whole, the whole aspect and the whole feel of it. Whereas if I just want to go, you know, and watch the episode where Superman crashes to the meteor and loses his memory <laughs> and saves the world in 23 minutes, I can watch it anytime I want. And it's still, it, you know, it puts a smile on my face and it's George Reeves and, you know, and uh, so, it, yeah, I think the, um, the way we, that they tell stories today could hinder you from going back in and watching them again. Or you're going to say like, let's keep that. You're going to go in and you're going to watch the whole thing over and over again. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm with you, Keith, too, about like, I mean, Seinfeld's amazing. I put it, I put it up there. And, uh, but yeah, Joe, I mean, yeah, next gen, you could probably just drop into Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. So you can just drop into whenever you want. I often drop into the next gen episode family, which you remember our Star Trek uh, podcast is my favorite Star Trek episode in any series ever. Although, uh, <laughs> Strange New Worlds is starting to, uh, you know, encroach upon that. Well, at the time of this recording, we're halfway through Strange and Worlds. I'm yes. not sure when we're going to drop this episode, but it's so far, you know, doing a perfect, perfect game of a, of a show. So, uh, and I will say, you know, to, to tilt our hand to future episodes, I'm, I'm really digging the expanse. So, uh, yeah, you know, when I'm done with that, that could be up on that. that Keith, you got to give that a shot. I know, but you guys got me all excited about Strange New Worlds. So that's going to be next after I after Kenobi ends. I think I'm going to go to Strange New Worlds. Good, good, and and then and then if you could find the time. Uh, you'd make Chris very happy <laughs> if you could if you could watch the expanse. Get it to the expanse. I've seen it on Prime, and it, uh, it definitely has been tempting me. But uh, you guys, I'm a, I'm a I'm a Star Trek guy, and you guys have been talking so highly of that that I'm thinking about just getting Paramount and and watching that. I um, yeah. I'm craving good Star Trek. This is good Star Trek. It's been a while. And I'll say. Yeah, no, it's 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 done great. Um, you know, just to give a throwback, and I have not watched it since it originally came out, but I remember really enjoying, and I'm tempted because it's on Netflix to rewatch. But I really enjoyed Stargate, the original SG one. That was a. I, I really got into that. that. I got to get into that someday. That's a, that was. Yeah, it had um, it you know it was sort of like episode of the week, but there was an overall arc. It's very similar, actually, to Strange New Worlds. Kind of like there was an arc with the characters and some stories, but not every episode was an arc episode. And it was funny, and they did a lot of different things. But I remember it being good. So you know, at some point, maybe I'll rewatch that because uh, I really enjoyed that. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard, you know. And I'm I'm a per- you know. I'm going to really reveal this, but I've not seen all of the wire. So I'm, I'm just still, no, I've not, no, neither have I. No, uh, I never, I, I never finished boardwalk empire either. I think I got five seasons. I think I got through season, anyway, through season three, never finished that. And I don't think I've seen all the Sopranos either. Like I, I think I, I definitely watched the last episode. I think I definitely watched the first two or three seasons, but, um, it did what six seasons. How many seasons did we do? It was, um, uh, I think it was eight, right, Keith? Wasn't this a I, was I don't remember. I, I watched it, but I, I was I didn't love the last few seasons. So well, yeah, the, 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 oh no, it's another Tony Dream episode. God help us. <laughs> we don't want to see this. He's high on whatever, and he's no, no, no. I want to see Tony whack people. I don't want to see Tony's dr- mad dreams. I'll tell you what no. um, about 
a relatively new show that I I would uh, like to recommend. I'm not sure if either of you watched this. Um, only one season, short, but I, I I was surprised how much I loved it. Um, the Queen's Gambit. Oh, you've told me about this. Yes, yeah, I think, Karen, yeah. Karen watched a little bit of that, and she told me it was really good. And obviously, a lot of people have. So yeah, I, I have heard of that. So that 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 is something I, I do have to get to at some point. Only seven episodes, and again, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I like I like chess. Um, but I should have known. It's silly to think it was just a chess show. Of course, every it's like you know, it's like when people say, "Oh, Walking Dead's a zombie show." No, it's about people, survivor story. This is more about this this orphan girl who just becomes this brilliant uh, chess prodigy, and it's really compelling. I I liked it so much. I watched it twice. <laughs> wow! Wow! Uh, about a month month or two ago, it just I don't know. I just uh, it, it's really well done. If you're looking for a show that's um, only one season, so it's not a crazy commitment. Not even a season. Seven episodes is like nothing, really. It's very well done, and that uh, the actress Anya Taylor is excellent. That's high praise, Keith. I'll the uh, yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. Um, yeah, I think you'd like it. I really, I really do. I think you both like it. I really, I really do. I'm gonna give it a shot. Yep, definitely. Well, that's an excellent segue, Keith, to like wrapping up the show with recommendations. <laughs> yes. So in addition, in addition to Queen's Gambit, do you have anything you're currently reading, watching, or or getting into that you would recommend people pick well, up or um, take a look at? Yeah, but I feel like everyone who, not everyone, most people that listen to this. Uh, podcast uh either do or are about to start watching kenobi i'm loving it <laughs> yeah that's fine i mean you should i mean listen you're just because it's popular doesn't mean you shouldn't recommend it so i'm, I'm on board with that that's that's, that's absolutely right on. i enjoyed the mandalorian and and a lot of the other stuff but this is like for me i i i love you mcgregor's obi-wan kenobi i love the the heart of the show i think it's um to me i think it's the best thing Star Wars has done in a very, very, very long time. That's very good. That's excellent. That's high praise. Yeah, I've seen yeah, the first I, I, episode, and I think you're, you're right, Keith. Yes, yeah, definitely. And I agree. I agree with you, Keith, because I, I, I love the Mandalorian. I was okay with the Book of Boba Fett, but in terms of um, what I was looking for in a Star Wars show, um, th- this had the feel of what I was looking for in a Star Wars show off the bat. So, um, it's, agreed. You know, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, like they, they had to get. They had, you know, it took time to get to this point, so I'm happy they got to this point yep. where they could do do this. Do this absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I, um, you laugh at me. I, <laughs> I'm such a dork. I, because <laughs> I didn't want to wait till tonight. I, I had a busy day today at work. I woke up at five thirty in the morning <laughs> to watch the episode. <laughs> wow, wow. That's that's. Um, but you that's know, fame. that's me. I'm, I'm I'm Mr. Go to the midnight shows. Go to my son and I see all Marvel movies. Um, Oh, the day before opening night, the Thursday of opening weekend, I I, I can't wait. If I'm, if I'm into something, I'm I'm a nut. I can't wait. Well, That's I know good. today. I mean, I haven't watched it all, but I know today. In addition to you know, obviously, audience, when you're hearing this, this is the all old news a little bit. But we're talking the day of. We have uh, like Kenobi came out today, and Miss Marvel premiered today, which Miss Marvel apparently got stellar oh, it, reviews for the oh, first really? today. Check yeah. it out. Oh, I'm wa- yeah, I'm watching that tonight. Though I'm watching that when we late when we hang up. <laughs> Yeah, Miss Marvel guy. Like the first two episodes have been reviewed. I think they're ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes or something. At least as as of as of today. So, audience, if you're like he's out of his mind, whenever we put this <laughs> out, but as of today, it got stellar reviews for the first two episodes. So, oh, they dropped the first two. Okay, good. Well, I don't know if they dropped the first two, but reviewers got first first two. Oh but, yeah, sometimes reviewers get one on one episode. But the reviews of it are are it's the best Marvel show that they put out so far. Wow, so. Okay. Oh, better than one division. Whoa. That's saying a lot. Saying that, so I guess we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, that's, you know, okay. listen, I've been very, uh, very rarely have I been disappointed by the MCU. So I'm, I'm happy. 
Yeah. 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 Joe, what do you got? Any recommendations or things? That yeah, you I have a few. Um, I want to recommend, I want to start with a comic book and this ties into our recent, uh, interview with Michael Jan Friedman. And, uh, so I'm going to recommend his, uh, his run on, um, uh, two comic books, actually, uh, dark stars is, is his own creation along with, uh, uh, Stroman. Uh, but it's a great, it's a great read. It's so nineties. It's, you know, got the garish layouts and colors and, and it's, um, it's a lot of fun and, and there's new characters in there and he brings in, of course, Donna Troy and, and, uh, and, uh, John Stewart later on. So it's a good read. If you like that, if you, if you're hankering for nineties comics, I recommend that one. And of course he did a long run. He wrote most of the 80 issues on Star Trek, the next generation comic book. So I would recommend that. Um, TV, I would recommend Reacher. I'm at five episodes in. It's kind of like a procedural in the town. It's like Mayberry. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, so I think uh, that's a, a very good show. Um, and, um, you know, um, to tie this all up again, to get back to Breaking Bad, uh, you know, if you're a fence sitter like I am, and if you need somebody like my friend Keith to push me along and, hey, Joe, you got to watch it, you got to watch then do it, man. If somebody's telling you to watch and you haven't watched, if, if you're the only other person in America beside me that hasn't watched Breaking Bad yet, then do yourself a favor <laughs> and, and watch Breaking Bad. And if you haven't watched Dexter, do yourself a favor and check out Dexter. Um, I think you'd be pleasantly surprised at how, how well the, uh, written, acted, and scripted and just produced these two, these two amazing crime dramas uh, shows are. So those are my recommendations. Excellent, excellent. I am, I am also going to pull from a recent guest of Michael Jan Friedman. I'm currently listening to the audio version of his uh, Star Trek Next Generation book, Crossover, which features uh, in the Next Generation timeline, Spock, Scotty, and Admiral McCoy. Um, and kind of continues on the Spock unification um, process he was going through. Mm, so I, I recommend cool. that. Kind of going with just, we were just talking about Obi-Wan. I recently picked up Star Wars Darth Vader, Volume 1 by Greg Park, um, The Dark Heart of the Sith. And this this um, series picks up right after Empire Strikes Back. And it's Darth Vader now knows that he is Luke's father. And he is... Um, going into an investigation to punish anybody who kept this secret from him. Interesting. still alive. <laughs> so wow. um, the art is amazing. Um, I'm trying to see who the artist is. I want to give them credit because they're amazing. Um, Raphael Lenko, amazing art, fantastic art. And uh, the other thing I'll recommend is, and I've recommended this before. I recommended it to Chris. Then Chris recommended that he read the whole series. So I'm going to recommend it again is uh, I just finished reading once in future volume three. Um, by Karen Gillian and by art by Dan Mora. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great series. I, I really, Chris gave it a recommendation. I gave it a recommendation. I'm recommending it again. Nice. So those, those are my recommendations for the week. Um, Good stuff. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I thank, uh, I thank you listening audience for joining us. But of course I, I thank our, our panel here tonight, Joe, of course, thank you for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. And, and you know, in the words of Jesse, yes, science. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Keith, thank you for being here. No, thank you for both for inviting me, guys. It's always a pleasure. I, I really yeah. Th thanks again, Keith. I love being here. And Chris, if he had watched Breaking Bad, would sure like to be here. But I'm always, as always, Chris is probably also happy that you're listening to this episode, audience. And and maybe uh, you know we will do a, a return to the Breaking Bad universe. If uh, Joe, are you going to watch uh, Better Call Saul? I'm going to watch Better Call Saul. Yes, that's on my. Uh... 
voluminous watch list, yes. <laughs> All right, so maybe we will uh, return to this uh, Breaking Bad universe with a review and wrap up a Better Call Saul at some point down the road. It, the series is still going on right now, so I have to finish it. Joe has to watch the whole thing through. Keith, you're following it in real time, I guess, right? Yeah, I have to or... finish it as well. Okay, so at some point in the future, we will return to Breaking Bad with Better Call Saul and give, give a wrap-up or thoughts and review on that. But until then, you can obviously always get in touch with us on the Facebook page, Secret Origins and Link Condition. Again, we do want to hear from you. Um, so please, when we drop this episode and any episode, please feel free to comment, like, share um, the episodes. We would also um, appreciate hearing from you via email, secretoriginsmc at gmail.com. And if you have time, if you really are enjoying the show, um, what would help us, um, you know, get the word out a little bit more is if you have time to to rate rate our show either on uh, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or however you listen to the podcast. And if you have the option, also, I think in iTunes to give us a little re- written review, we would love to hear from you, and we will re- read that review on the air. So we, we could look forward to that. So we thank you for listening, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Hello, everyone. We're back. I know you just heard the end of the episode, but now we're back as we do with these, because uh, we record these things in advance, these episodes, when we answer audience questions, we just tack them in at the end of episodes that are coming out. So, uh, But joining us to answer this audience question edition is uh, Richie Garofalo is with us. <laughs> Hello, everyone. All right, Rich. We'll You'll see, see him in a bunch of upcoming episodes, but uh, he was here for recording and we decided we were going to answer audience questions and he has agreed to be with us today. So this is, uh, I know we're a little bit behind, but we're not as behind as before. Um, <laughs> That's right, one month. We're basically on top of things. We're on top of things. So this is the questions that you uh, all asked from the audience in July. I posted this on July 8th. Um, some of this I think we've already addressed, but I'm just going to read it anyway. So friend of the show and uh, regular guest Arco Esposito asked statement and question i think that it's over for the mcu in that marvel won't be able to put out the same quality of films as they did previously three out of the last four movies were reviewed mixed to negative of course they will still make money but what can kevin uh king kevin do to stop the bleeding and right the ship excelsior um, <laughs> at the time of this recording we we have put out a episode with arco and jason from movie challenge accepted where we we talked about some of these points i don't know if i have much to add but richie since you were not obviously here for that episode do you have any thoughts about arco's question <laughs> <laughs> oh so no thoughts then. i don't Great. know i don't know you know what um some hopefully somebody's got a, um an idea to um keep things going but um i for one don't have any <laughs> okay yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, do we have any? I mean, I don't have any additional thoughts, but I don't know. Maybe Chris and Joe, since we've recorded that episode, do you guys have any additional thoughts to add to Arco's question? Well, Joe, you first. Go ahead. Yeah, well, he said three out of the last four, so I guess he, he included Thor, Love, and Thunder in that, right? Well, this was July 8th, so no. Yeah, I think it was, no. it was, it was the, oh. it, was, it would be Doctor Strange, Spider Man, and Eternals, I think, at that time. Well, I haven't what? seen Eternals. I haven't seen Eternals. Been that too. I'm sorry, Chris, what'd you say? Shang-Chi would have been included in that, too, because that was after Eternals. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Oh, I like uh, Shang-Chi. Um, Shang-Chi was great. Spider-Man was great. I haven't seen Eternals, and what was? And I haven't seen Doctor Strange. Did you see Love and Thunder, uh, Rich? What's that? Did you see Thor Love and Thunder yet? No. no I haven't seen, seen that either, so. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested in seeing that one. I can't say that I'm, I'm – I've never been a – Doctor Strange fan, so 
you know, I don't know what they could have done to make me want to watch it again. I, we, he came out with one show. I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't know what they could do for certain characters, but uh, that's it for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Argo, I, I hope we answered your I mean, we definitely answered your question when you were on the show, but uh, here's a few extra thoughts coming. Yeah, no, I just, I think that, I, I don't think the MCU is is dead. The bleeding thing, I think, is just that the bubble is finally bursting. I don't think it's anything MCU is doing. I honestly don't. I think that at some point the universe just gets too big. And um, and I think there's still some some really good material out there. I know he didn't like Ms. Marvel. I loved Ms. Marvel. I thought Ms. Marvel was easily the best of all the shows. And I think we just disagree on that. I love Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is in my top three Marvel movies bumping out Captain Marvel. Originally it was, you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and in no particular order. Uh, but Winter Soldier, Black Panther, and Captain Marvel were my top three. And then Shang-Chi bumped Captain Marvel. Um, and people may feel differently. I think it's just now we have we have an embarrassment of riches to choose from when it comes to uh, Marvel material, you know, because now it's not just the movies. Now it's TV, too. And now we even got like the little Groot shorts that were just released, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm sure I will at some mm-hmm. point. I don't I think that. I think anything that they're bleeding isn't in terms of the quality that they've put out because they did just fine even after the first Thor movie, which I didn't think was good. The second movie, Thor movie, which I didn't think was good. The third Iron Man movie, which I didn't think was good. Like they've put out movies that aren't that good and aren't that memorable. But I think it has to do with their saturation. I think the bubble is sort of finally hitting that bursting point. And also I know from speaking to other people, there is some people are finding that there's too much to keep up with. They don't want to have to watch everything in order to understand what's happening in the one thing they want to watch. And um and so I think there's just an oversaturation, which I think was always going to happen. I think it happened in comic books. And when you translate comic books to the screen, I think that's what you get. So I don't think it's the quality of the product so much as everybody's a little bit tired now. You know, it's been, what, 14 years since Iron Man, 15 years since Iron Man. Yeah. Long time to go. That's a long time to go. And, um, you know, Netflix stock recently dropped, really took a big tumble. And people were going, oh, is this it for Netflix? Well, no. It's just there are only so many people in the world who exist. And so you can only sell so many Netflix subscriptions. So of course it's spiked during the pandemic. And at some point you hit a ceiling. There's no room for growth. And I I just don't know how much room there is for the MCU to grow to new audiences because I think they've reached a lot of the people that they were going to reach. And I think some fans are going to frankly die off and some new fans are going to be born so i think at some point you hit a saturation point i think that's where the mcu is and i think that's where i land okay (laughs) good well said well said well said i think these next two questions might be a whole episode in themselves but i am going to read them them. so from uh tony um anselmo um hopefully i'm saying his last name right i apologize tony if i'm not tony anselmo Okay, good. Um, He said, real late, but here is my question, answer slash question. As an enormous DC nerd, I'm interested in discussions on DC comics, hidden gems, meaningful events, characters that break barriers. It's all good. Um, That's a very big topic, which I I think we we do cover um, DC characters. I think we need a whole episode for that for sure. Yes. So, uh, Tony, why don't we, we are going to talk about that. It's a great question. I think that's a lot of room for us to make episodes out of. So I don't want to feel like we're ignoring your question, but it's a great suggestion. And we we will parse out those ideas in future episodes. I'll also say briefly that that I, I appreciate you're asking it because I think that we can always afford to explore something new and it's easy to sometimes get caught up in what we already know or what's already familiar. Um, so giving, giving new stuff, 
a chance, I think is, is brilliant. So I'm really glad you mentioned that because it's um, a lot of the stuff that I've read is, is in a lot of ways mainstream, but then I come across something like, like walk, you know, or I come across, uh, I've, I've mentioned a couple of books that I, I'm like, Oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't think this was really gonna jump out at me, but, but it's something that I really enjoyed. So I'm glad you posed the question because it's sort of, um, I've sort of been falling back on stuff I know. So I think it's time for me to sort of put the foot on the gas again and, and find some new stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah, great. New, new stuff is I'm always looking for new stuff and breakthrough characters and stuff. So that yeah, that's a great, great question and something that could be a topic for its own show. So thank you, Tony. And last question here is Robert Spinelli. And this is a big one, too. But um, how about addressing one of the big topics, Marvel versus DC? Oh, Lord. Um, can I take that? <laughs> sure. Yeah, 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 go yeah. for it, yeah. Joe. All right. Uh, I've been going to, well, I, I haven't gone to a comic convention in 20 years, but I went to the, some of the earliest comic book conventions in the late 60s and early 70s, and that was constantly the, uh, ha, uh, the, the, you know, the big topic, uh, Marvel or DC, Marvel or DC. And I think I've answered this before, and I'll answer it again. Why limit yourself to one? It's, uh, you know, because you're, 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 you're missing out on half the fun. I guess, going to my head, I'm a DC guy first, except for, except for Superman, um, there's no other superhero I like more than Spider-Man. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine reading, not reading Spider-Man because it's Marvel or not reading Superman or Batman because it's DC. So uh, I, I think you just got to put that aside and just look for stuff that you like that intrigues you and take, try it out, uh, see if you like it. And if you don't, move on. And then there, there are also independent books, uh, independent publishers that produce some good comic books too. So... Don't 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 get yourself caught in that mindset either or. I'm not a, I'm not an either or person. I think that any problem or can be solved with multiple solutions and multiple takes and you know coming at it from different angles. And it's the same thing with uh, just with uh, enjoying fandom and, and enjoying pop culture. Just uh, I think yeah no I, I agree with you. Eclectic. Also now I think everything I think everything's changed right. You're seeing more crossover with artists and writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nobody's nobody's locked into DC or locked into Marvel. No. Um, if I had to sort of simplify it, I would say that when it comes to movies, it's for me, it's Marvel. When it comes to the animated stuff, for me, it's DC. Exactly. Yes. When it comes to the books, some of A and some of B. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Joe. I don't. This to me feels much like Star Trek versus Star Wars. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thank to, I felt the need to pick a side when I was younger, and now I now I don't. I now as I've gotten older. They, they scratch different itches. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people who criticize DC have often said that the heroes are overpowered and not realistic. And to that, I go, uh, yes. <laughs> That's more a problem with storytelling rather than realism because Marvel's not realistic either. So how many how many heroes are in New York City alone? Come on now. Um, <laughs> oh, there's, there's all sorts of goofy stuff that happens in Marvel too. So people who say that it's not realistic... Uh, you know, whatever we're, we're reading about superheroes. Right. I think that you want to say that, that the overpoweredness of the characters is a fault. Okay. I, I, I can, I can get on board with that. Um, but I also think there are really well-written stories uh, taking that into account and making yeah. characters vulnerable in ways that, you know, I know we've mentioned this a bunch of times, so I'm going to go ahead and beat that dead horse. A Superman for all seasons by Jeff. Chris, you read my mind. That's what I was going to say. Oh, it's terrific because Lex Luthor says it himself. How do you, how do you beat the man who can do anything? Right. And the way you do it is by encouraging him to sort of defeat himself, you know, Mm -hmm. to be so filled with self doubt that, that he walks away from the fight. So you take one of the most overpowered 
characters. And of course, he didn't start that way. We were talking about the adventures of Superman where he leapt and didn't fly sometimes mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that, that um, that's originally how Superman started and he's, his powers have grown out of control. So, but, but you find a way to write something compelling, to write a compelling story. So, so I, I think much like you, Joe, at heart and at my core, I'm more of a, a DC guy because, um, because of really because of Batman and Flash. Um, and because of the animated stuff, which I still go back and rewatch, but um, but for me, I don't think there's a, there's a need to pick one or the other anymore. As I've gotten older, as I've gotten older, I don't need to pick a side. I'd rather I'd rather taste and, and sample and enjoy everything. And um, you know, honestly, you know, if you, if that's the thing that you like, if you like one or the other, go for it. But both both um, publishing companies have such a long and storied history now that you know what, you can pick an era and go, that's crap. Or you can pick an era and go, that's great writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Rich, you have any weigh-in thoughts about Marvel versus DC? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Marvel, and D- uh, Marvel and DC joined hands a couple of times over the years. Yes, um, that's right. Amalgam, where they blended the characters together. You have uh, Superman and Spider-Man together. Yeah. And the Avengers time. and JLA. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you guys said, um, that you can't choose one over the other. There's no reason to choose one over the other. Enjoy it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I am in agreement with that sentiment. I mean, uh, if I had to, again, if I had to put push come to shove, I'm probably going to say I'm a Marvel guy because my, some of my top, my top, in my top five is Captain America, Doctor Strange, and Daredevil. But I don't want to live in the world. My other top favorite Swamp Thing and Batman, I'm not reading either. Nice. So. Right. Yeah, so uh, I need them all. I need them all, <laughs> you know. And Nightwing too. Nightwing's like my top. If I go six, Nightwing's like my sixth favorite hero. So I'm gonna go. I mean, you even you even got a Nightwing haircut. When That's you're true. Ready. Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you mentioned it, I thought it was worth bringing up. Yes, no, it's good. It's good call <laughs> back. But yeah, so uh, but you know, I, I, it's a fun discussion, Robert. I appreciate the question. I know it's the the age old debate, but I think we live in a world now. And as Joe mentioned, there's so many good independent comics. I mean. Image has so many other characters and goes in so many other places that are superhero, science fiction, and beyond that I, I could even, and I've read so much recent Image with Saga and um, Once in Future King that are great books that I could throw them yeah, up there. In, yeah, in I really the- enjoyed Once in Future King. Thanks again for that recommendation, James. Yeah, no problem. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard. I think, I think you know, it's now, you always got the big two, but the independents are just as valuable. And, and going back to... Um, you know, Tony's question, I would go seek out those independent books. Mm-hmm. I mean, seek them out. Yes. Seek out the non-superhero, non-big two books. because It's a lot super of... easy to look for them on Hoopla. It's nice. Yeah, there's so many options and there's so many good stories. And if you're if you're struggling to find out who to choose, like, I would just go with the names. Like, you know, the Ed Brubaker has some great independent books. I Jeff think... Johns on Geiger. Oh, Jeff Johns. Uh, Brian it's K. Geiger Vaughn series. has lots yeah. of... Yeah, Brian K. Vaughn writes a lot of independent great books. So um, I would check all that stuff out. So... Mm-hmm. Well, audience, we thank you for all your questions. Uh, we, we appreciate you sending them in. We, we love to hear from them. We try to address them as best we can. And if we can't fit them into this little short Q&A, we expand them out to full episodes. So um, we appreciate that. The, the next question uh, for August is probably going to be up by the time this episode airs or will be going up. So please leave your questions for that. We thank you for listening and we will talk to you on the next episode. 